You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're getting our white Russians heading to the bowling alley to review the Coen Brothers' 1998 comedy cult classic, The Big Lebowski. You have no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. Ah, yes. I was wondering what would break first. Your spirit. All your money. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. God is dead. He is dead. The year is one. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, yes. the mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. There's fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. Sundown shining in. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then. Welcome to the podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Brian Elkins. With me tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Howdy. And Mr. Jared Callen. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. Yeah, good. You guys uh, ready to talk about the Big Lebowski? Yeah. I got my double white Russian. I'm ready to go. Yeah, we are having some white Russians tonight, uh, which I did not know was... Uh, so delicious. Yeah, right? Yeah, delicious. I understand why the dude drinks it. Alcoholic and nutritious. It's very desserty. Yeah, it is. It's kind of got... It's kind of thick. It's kind of like a uh, like a melted milkshake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With alcohol. Yeah. Well, there's places in Memphis here you can get uh, alcoholic milkshakes, and they're delicious. Oh, yeah. There's there's a uh, pops you get like uh, alcoholic uh, popsicles. No way. Yeah. Yeah. You need your child to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him to suck on that for a second. <laughs> Hand him the vodka pops. <laughs> they will sleep all night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, a parents done that. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. You know, I definitely heard about people like rubbing whiskey on the on a kid's gums or whatever to kind of quiet them down. Yeah. I've, I've, well, you know, to be honest, I've given my kid Benadryl on a long a long car drive once. Yeah, like, here, snort this. No. Yeah, I had a friend <laughs> Please in, um... be quiet. Stop yelling in the back seat. God damn, I'm losing my sanity. <laughs> Fucking two hours. I know that too. <laughs> I bet you do. I had a um, friend in elementary school. His mom, like, I mean, from the time I knew him, would give, like, their two, his two-year-old brother, him, would give him beer because it would keep him quiet for a little while. Really? And now she wonders why they're all alcoholics. I like the taste. I like it when it burns my throat. You know, That's it, how I it know just, it's It good. blew my mind because, I mean, I was like eight years old, and I looked right. over, and this two-year-old's got a bottle. <laughs> I mean, like a baby bottle just chugging beer. And I'm like, what the 
They put it in a baby bottle? Yeah. <laughs> they put it in a baby bottle. <laughs> That's awesome. It's got, it's got foamy and shit on the inside. Social services uh, <laughs> is only a phone call away. I wonder what the, what are the statute of limitations on that is. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of people say they don't like the taste of beer, but you know what? I will say that at the end of a long day, like a nice like Mexican beer with oh, a lime, yeah. cold, it's like, oh, God. And uh, Memphis is making a, a, who is it? It's High Cotton. They do a Mexican lager now. Local. If you guys haven't had it, you need to go to High Cotton and get their Mexican lager. It'll no, blow, I haven't had that. Blow yet. your mind how good it is. I do like a Mexican lager though. Well, maybe we should go get some this week. All right. Okay. Maybe cool. they should sponsor the show. They, maybe they should. If you know anyone at the uh, High Cotton Brewery on uh, Monroe Avenue in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, you know, have them throw us six thousand dollars. Yeah, we'll literally work for beer. Yeah. Or $6,000. Or $6,000. And some beer. And some beer. Gotta be some beer in there. I mean, come on. That's what you're making the product. You got, you know, you got a little extra runoff. <laughs> There's you know. spillage, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you spill some into this bucket. <laughs> we'll take the shit that ends up on the drain on the floor. I mean, that, that's good. I mean, just get the fucking drip tray on the actual <laughs> bar. That like, that little channel. And then at the end, there's, a, there's like a bucket with a funnel. And there's me at the bottom with my mouth open, like Barney at fucking. <laughs> On the Simpsons. I'm like, hey, can you bring it? Uh, you know. <laughs> That's only 10% backwash. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess uh, we should get to the movie here. Oh, wait, we're doing something, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Coen Brothers uh, wrote, directed, also edited this, uh, and co-produced it as well. Only one of them directed it. Um, well, no, they both did. It's uh, in the movie, it says Ethan Coen. Yeah, well, it's because of the union credits. Oh, really? Yeah. They both share all of the duties. Do you think there was ever a time they're like, shut up, I'm the one that's actually on the credits? <laughs> <laughs> it's always been uh, Joel that always got the, uh, he always gets the director credit, and yeah. Ethan always gets the producer credit. Okay, so that's what it was, Joel. And they share yeah. the uh, director credit, and then they they have some pseudonym for the editor, because they edit the movies together. Oh, wow. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know why they ever used a pseudonym, because they even, like, remember when oh, No Country for Old Men came out, and they had, like, the final cut, um like six or whatever version of Final Cut that was. They had the video on Apple showing them using Final Cut, cutting No Country for Old Men. That's crazy. And they used a pseudonym. It's like, well, I don't... I don't know. I used to use a pseudonym for editing. Yeah, I don't know why. But that's when you were doing porn, though. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was (laughs) like on Live Animals. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Which is not a porn, just so we're clear. There's some good moments in there, though. <laughs> if it was a porn, I would make more money. Than I know. We would already, y'all already made your money back. <laughs> I would have pulled up in a BMW. <laughs> we would have made 10 sequels by now. I got that Jackie Treehorn money. <laughs> Jackie Treehorn. What a good name. Uh, man, all the names are, are great in this. Yeah. Jeffrey Lebowski. Out the of all, dude, Walter. I will say, out of all the movies we've watched recently, this one, man, it just, it, the, it just flows. And it's great. And the, yeah. the writing, it, it, it was a pleasure to watch again. Yeah, the, the writing on this one stood out. Yeah, big like, time. I was constantly going, man, this movie is written so well. Yeah. yeah, and it's a good example of like story and character taking precedent over anything, you know, plot wise. The yeah. plot is very much in the backseat of this movie. Like the murder mystery. It's very much. Doesn't even matter. You'll hear people talk about like dialogue. They, especially like young writers, when they want to write a comedy, they'll write dialogue that has nothing to do with anything because they hear. But this is like that perfect mix of dialogue coming in, and they're talking about what's going on, and then they're talking about something else, and it's cause, it's because they have like, so many conversations going on at the same time. It's it's well written dialogue that keeps the story moving, keeps the characters interesting, and it's. 
but it's not all about just the plot. A lot of it's like building jokes. It's like it's like setting up one part of the joke, and then something else in the scene will happen, and then there'll be a callback to us er- earlier something in the scene <clears throat> that kind of puts a little tag on a little joke. It seems like that's how they you know, are building everything. Well, I mean, they do good jobs in their in their converse, conversations with the actors and the characters, the dialogue, the writing, especially between like the dude and, and Walter. The dude will be pissed off about something that's going on in the plot, and Walter's like worried about like the dog that he brought to the bowling alley or, or something else or like they changed the date and it's like I can't fucking do that day I told that fucking crowd down at the fucking league <laughs> you know and he's he's worried about that and the dude's like well what the fuck am I supposed to do about this and he's like oh, come on man <laughs> and like I can see why good actors like really want to work with the Coen brothers because like they all have their own motivations and like every character has like their own problem that they're dealing with in a scene. And I was watching the making of, apparently, like John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and there, there's two others. They wrote those parts with those actors in mind. Oh like, wow! So they're writing in their voice. Yeah, they knew like they who they wanted for those parts. Yeah, it was Sam Elliott was one. Yeah. Oh, he's so great in this. <laughs> they, they had the great like on the making of. They were like. And he's great to work with because he's got this big mustache. And anybody that's ever done ADR will understand this. <laughs> you don't have to line up his words. He, you can move his lines around and they match. <laughs> because you can't see his mouth. Because he's got the biggest mustache ever. It's is, iconic, though. He's got is it voice. ever? I mean, I've seen some big mustaches. Yeah, Yosemite Sam had a bigger one. Uh, but I think that's cartoon. That is, that is kind of cartoon. <laughs> now, Sam Elliott could play the TV version of Yosemite Sam. I would right. say Sam Elliott, though, still, like, even though... Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't as big, but it looked better. In, in this... What, in what? In Big Lebowski. No, he looked great. Over Yosemite Sam. Oh, I'm saying yeah. mustache-wise. Wait, wait, Yosemite Sam in uh, Roger Rabbit? When he lands? Yeah. Okay. How about that? That was... <laughs> Does he have different mustaches throughout that? That's the only mustache I ever remember him having. Did he have a different mustache? I don't think so. Oh, okay, I thought you were about ready to be like, oh, dude. Well, in his younger years, he had like this thin, <laughs> it was like a small, thin Hitler handlebar type thing, <laughs> little goatee. Let me tell you what, Yosemite Sam, the nineties were rough. It was rooting and tooting. Seems his little peach fuzz. <laughs> Seems like that would be just. Too much. I don't know. Like I'm trying to imagine what that would feel like. Well, in in the entire mustache. in the entire movie, and I actually like trim my mustache today, but because of we were going to be drinking white Russians, because in the movie, every single time the Jeff Bridges takes a drink, that shit is just like dripping all over his face. He's yep. just like And he brings his bottom lip up hmm. to get the uh, to get the rib to knit. suck it out of the, the the just like soaked into his mustache. I figured he was doing that as a well, as, you know, you, you you have a you have a mustache like it's, it's when you drink something, it just kind of like sucks up into it. But I, I will say that he is a pro in like falling down and not spilling his drink or <laughs> being thrown into like <laughs> into the toilet. Initially, hey, hey there's a beverage here. <laughs> also, on chill. the making of, I found out that the uh, the show Veronica Mars they had a goal, yeah, to get in every line of the movie Big Lebowski into the show Veronica Mars. Did they succeed in that? They didn't because they got canceled at season three. Way no, they got brought back through a crowdfunding thing. Did that get canceled again? Well, no, I thought that was just a movie, though, right? Oh, they just did a film. To yeah, wrap I think it up. that was just a film. Be funny if there was just like one scene where they just start finishing all the fucking lines from Big Lebowski. <laughs> the, la- the end of the movie is just all the lines from Big Lebowski they haven't used. Uh, or it's at the end of the credits. <laughs> it's just like somebody just reading the script. Oh my goodness! Are you guys fans of the Coen Brothers? 
I guess we never, we never talked about them before in the podcast. Is this the first one? Yeah. It's a good one to start on. Good introduction movie. I don't know if I've seen all their films, but the ones that I've seen are very good. You've seen No Country for Old Men, right? I have seen that one. Yeah, yeah really liked the that one. That was good. Yeah, I'll have to kind of say what he said. I mean, not to steal your quote. It's okay. I'll borrow qu- your quote. You can quote me, bro. Yeah, I'm going to quote him. <laughs> I, haven't, I mean, I haven't seen all their movies, but the ones I have seen, I like. Did they do the Hudsucker Proxy? They did. I love that. Now, see, at the same time, though, they're not movies that I want to keep going back to. It's not like a Spielberg thing where I want to watch those movies over and over and over, but they're always pleasant surprises when I go, oh yeah, I love that movie. I want to watch it again. Right. Yeah, I kind of had the same thing today when I when I watched it again. It's like something that I've seen so many times, but I just wanted to watch it to kind of refresh myself, and I found it very refreshing. I, like I said, it was very nice. There was a good pace. It was easy to watch, and it felt comfortable, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. You know, it, it was good. And, and like everything flowed, like I said, you can totally see the the jokes in it and the, and the definite characters. And I also saw how like sad and uh, like tragic the Donnie character is. <laughs> it's kind of sad. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Oh, wait, now you're dead. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think, uh, what is it? The, the, I think of the Coens. I think it was Joel Cohen said that, um, the reason they cast Steve Buscemi in the role where he wasn't talking is because the last movie they did with him was Fargo. Yeah. Where he would not shut the fuck up. Like his character was always <laughs> talking in that movie. I, yeah, so I saw that's that. why he died up. up. That's why I he saw got that interview. Up in that film. Yeah. And he said, uh, he goes on to go, we've, we've killed him in more dramatic ways each time. And like there's l- less left of his body each time. <laughs> Even though this time wasn't a very dramatic, like, you know, terrible way, there was just less left. Right. Most of him ended up on the dude. Up the dude's nose. I, I do think, though, the, the best actor that uses gets the best use of his screen time is John Turturro. Who's that? Uh, Jesus. Oh. oh, Jesus. Jesus oh, Quintana. man. Yeah, what a, what a, uh, what a character. Like Nobody setting up fucks the whole, with the Jesus. Nobody fucks with the Jesus, man. Laughable, man. <laughs> Eight-year-olds, dude. You petter ass. Boy, it'll, that it'll would fuck fly you right today. in your ass. You know what's great though? And you, 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 you see when uh, like John Turturro's going from like house to house. They did that. They had that flashback. Yeah, where he's having to go and like tell all of his neighbors, like, yeah, yeah I'm a child molester. <laughs> he's got a giant bulge in his pants. Oh, does he? I didn't see yeah. that. <laughs> they stuff something in there, and it's just like, why did you guys do, do that? <laughs> something tells me that joke would get censored today. Do you think so? I think so. I don't know. I thought that was like kind of like you know it's part of the the fun of the film. They made they made fun of a lot of PC culture in this movie, right? You know, I do like how the the crazy person like Walter. He's the one that is the PC, even though he's like all crazy and he's like oh it's, everything's about Nam with him. He's always talking about fucking Nam and how his buddies died in the <laughs> died mud, face down in the mud for your freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the one that's like. Oh, hey, dude, Chinaman, that's not the correct nomenculture. Uh, it's, it's Asian American. Oh, and then, then, then the big Lebowski actually says Chinaman as well. It's like some, when I was over in Korea, some Chinaman, like, <laughs> golly. And even like uh, when he sees Lebowski, the big Lebowski for the first time, the dude says like, well, he's like, he's a crippled. He's a <laughs> <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, oh, uh, he's, uh, he's disabled. He's he disabled. Uh. He's really good in this, too. Oh, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, so his reaction shots are priceless. I miss him. We've been frantically trying right? to call you, dude. I do miss him. Because yeah, he was good in like everything he did. Even that weird-ass yeah. movie, Happiness. That man, That is a fucked up movie. <laughs> He's like calling people and like breathing on the phone and like coming on the back of postcards and like sticking them on the wall. It's like, 
He does that too? <laughs> that's that's my thing. <laughs> he made a movie about that? Yeah, it's a Sunday night, guys. <laughs> you should see they're stuck on his ceiling and shit. I haven't seen that movie. Oh, you haven't? I have not. If you ever want a really nice, like, what the fuck? And, like, it's uh, seriously one of the strangest. It's, it's, it's dark. It's basically about sexual deviance. All the way from, like, hardcore pedophiles to, like, people like him doing that. And, like, just, it's it's weird. It's a fucked up film. I almost watched it Uncomfortable one day. after. Yeah. Yeah, I almost watched it one day. And then, for some reason, we watched something else. Send the kids out of the room. <laughs> like, definitely. Oh, yeah, that would be some, uh... <laughs> Those are some tough conversations like, to have with the kids. Got some splaining to do. So it's not one of those movies that you go, hey, watch this, and you'll never do anything wrong again. <laughs> no, it's not like watching no. uh, Requiem for a Dream or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that should be like required. Yeah, doing. exactly. Like, when everybody, <laughs> something you'll learn a lesson. When here. you turn 12 years old. Like, like every, every eight-year-old yeah. should have to sit down <laughs> and watch. Eight's a little young. <laughs> no, let's make an imprint now. <laughs> His eyes are all wide. I'm ass to ass. <laughs> <laughs> comes back in the room, the kid's all shaking. I want my mommy. Nope, we're watching it again. I'm never taking my Adderall again. Think about your choices, kid. <laughs> Keith David's so scary. <laughs> Think about your motherfucking life. <laughs> you only get one. Like, didn't he do the, the Navy ads? Where it was like, if somebody right. wrote a book about your life, would anybody read it? Join the motherfucking Navy. <laughs> P.S. Ass to ass. <laughs> ass to ass. Why would joining the Navy make people read about your life? No, that was the whole thing. Like, anybody ever? <laughs> you know, because you've never done anything awesome, bro. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, see. You, you got to be know? awesome, you know. You can go, you know, join the Army or whatever. Yeah, fucking mm. get in the ship. GoArmy.com. Or just make up something <laughs> cool. We do not sponsor the Navy. <laughs> we are not brought to you by them. We're brought to you by Unless Kalima. they want to pay $6,000. Mm. Six. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get that two thousand each, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm, hey. real put, I'm pushing real hard on it. <laughs> we'll start a GoFundMe if we have to. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, there, there's one thing I did want to um, uh, bring up there's about the Cohen thing. Yeah, about the Cohen brothers. It's kind of interesting. Um, we talked about how they take on all these different roles: directing, writing, producing, editing their films. Usually, I would say that is a bad thing for any filmmaker to do and I would say they're the best at it but I think a, a, a part of the reason why is there's because two of them there is two of them but they mostly I would say that they learned from a, a lot of great individuals early in their career yeah. like their first 10 movies they did not do everything on you know right. they had people co-producing uh, they hired editors and they would you know sit in and co-edit with them but they're bringing in all these other collaborative individuals until they feel comfortable enough to cut those ties. And I, I think it works for them really well. Yeah, it's not something I would recommend to single, like, directors. Well, the problem is you're, you're too close yeah, to right? it. You, you can't separate yourself from it. So if you, you've directed yeah. it and you're editing it and you wrote it, you're sitting there like, well, this is not what I was originally thinking. You're not really looking at what's there. You know, this is what we have. So sometimes it's nice to step back, put someone else's opinion on it, and then you can still mold it on the backside. Right. But uh, but like you said, may maybe having the two of them, they can kind of play off each other that way. They, they kind of keep each other in check. And I know, too, like back when I used to edit my own stuff, a lot of times you were just so elated that you'd shot it, and now it's edited. <laughs> so it's like you're, you're not even thinking about flow anymore. You're like, all right, the scene's edited. What do yeah. you think? This shit's done. We're going to get drinks. <laughs> Like, I remember there was like a six-minute section in Live Animals before we finished the movie. We'd sent it off to some guys out in L.A. and asked them, what, you know, what do you think of the movie? 
And they sent back and they wanted this whole six minutes just cut out. And I was like, but we have to have it. (laughs) And it was Mark that actually went, well, do we need it? I mean, it's just a simple undo. If it doesn't work, cut it out. So we cut it out, and it, but it was so hard. Like, I was fighting for it's it. It's like killing so, your children. And it's then like, as no. soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that totally works. Oh, wait, you're right. Yeah, they're totally right. <laughs> oh, direct, direct, Most directors hate cutting any scenes out of their out of their movies. Be sure to save that, right? Another, you got that in another timeline, right? But you can put that back, right? And That's was, saved, right? It was that moment that changed me. Now I'm all like, you just cut How it How many out. times can you <laughs> hit that Apple Z button? It's a lot, right? I got it at 99. <laughs> what do you got yours set at? <laughs> Uh, not 99, like 20? I'm just telling you, man. Sometimes I, I you know, you do a lot of little small things. I've run out before trying to go back. Is uh, that the maximum? I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I just Whatever the default. I think it's the default's like 19 or 20. Yeah, it is. I put mine at 99. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got like, it, it saves every five minutes, just in case. Oh, no. man. Every five minutes? Te- dude, you oh, can do hey. a lot in five minutes if you're editing. <laughs> I can make a baby in five minutes. So you imagine what I could do. <laughs> I got I made three and you could probably add it up to five minutes. <laughs> oh no. Your wife uh. is very satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh what is that a queen uh tra- trailer where the uh guy's like, Man, your your song, it's so long and he's talking about a uh, Bohemian Rhapsody I thought he's like, he's like it's eight minutes and Freddie Mercury's like oh, pity your wife if eight minutes an eternity to you <laughs> uh, that looks good I'm excited for that movie yeah it's gonna be nice yeah yeah. I just got to say I mean you can have one long song or you can play a whole album song after song Amen. after song after song <laughs> just give me a minute just give me a minute <laughs> 20 seconds here. No, yeah. say something sexy <laughs> keep it going keep it going but I, I would recommend most directors to like to get an editor, get a producer, have those things that you trust. Yeah, lined up. You know. Yeah. It's it's also helpful just to have someone in there to bounce ideas off, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. I always think that's important. Writing and directing is different. You know, th- I don't know. That's like it's different stages in the in the creative process too, where like you can just sit there and write and not even be attached to it or think about it in a directing you know you know what I mean it's oh, like you're I, just thinking I about totally know what you mean yeah it took me forever to get because you know you know you first start writing and then you're directing that you're wanting it to be so much what you saw in your head and it took forever for me to realize that no I, these actors are here for a reason there are all these other people that are here for a reason I need to accept their input <laughs> See what they bring to the table. Right. Add some of that uh, creative spice. Another splash of Kahlua. That's what I need. (laughs) Uh, I am excited. Uh, Did you guys know that they're doing a uh, spinoff sequel to The Big Lebowski? That's already been shot. Um, It's What? Yeah. I didn't know this. John Tajuro's character, Jesus Quintana, is going to be in a a spinoff movie called Going Places. It's already shot. It's in post-production right now. They're cutting it together. Supposedly, it's supposed to be out next year. Pedophile lead. Yep. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> it's called Going Play. Yeah, I was, I haven't seen it. They haven't released a trailer for it yet, as as of this recording. But I'm, I'm he's got, probably got to go around to every every house and like show the trailer individually. <laughs> so I made this movie. Just wanted to make sure that I get part of the distribution deal is I had to get hundred thousand signatures that it can actually be released. <laughs> <laughs> can I get two minutes of your time <laughs> to watch this? Oh my gosh! I watch it, but I ain't signing no release. <laughs> uh, and I, well, we, I do have to mention um, John Goodman, who was 
based off of John Milius, um, the guy that directed uh, Conan. Yeah. Oh, there's a great doc. There's a great documentary about him called Milius. Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh, on fuck. Netflix. Man, really? What a name. Yep. Man, I totally missed that. Yep. I need to go find out about this you right should. away. It's great. Oh man, well, let's hit pause and go watch it. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I feel like I'm in the dark now. Damn, dude. I, yeah, no, I, I like to you know he did the Red Dawn and yeah, he's done a bunch of screenplays. He, he did uh, like Magnum Force and yeah. yeah. As a kid, I used to love Red Dawn. That was your childhood movie. He's like, Mom, can we rent Red Dawn again? Go Wolverines. <laughs> I didn't like the remake though. I was, I didn't know there was a remake. Yeah, with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Was it called Crimson Dawn? No, Red Dawn. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen it. You're not missing much. I did, uh, <laughs> when I was on Amazon, I did see that there was a documentary just on the fans of the Big Lebowski called The Achievers, which is what the Big Lebowski fans call themselves. The little, little Achievers. Yeah. Well, they just call themselves The Achievers. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, a, you know, like the, the believers and beavers and I did, I mean, all I, that shit. <laughs> I saw that there was a uh, religion off of dudism. Yeah. Dudism, yeah. The dude abides. What is it? The latter day church of the dude or the dudeness or something like that? You see at the end when he says the dude abides, he kind of opens his arms up into a Jesus pose a little bit. He goes, the dude abides. The Zen master. Yeah. I think it's just a bunch of dudes that like to bowl. Dudes, indeed. All wearing those like cardigans and those weird jelly shoes that he wears, like clear sandals. <laughs> Are you employed? <laughs> Do you have a job, sir? <laughs> I guess The Big Lebowski was like one of the first internet cult films. Like, I mean, we always had cult films before. Like, they were drive-ins or they, they were the VHS, you know, like the VHS nasties yeah. or, you know, things like that. This was like kind of the first one of the internet age that I can think of, you know, that got its cult status. Not so much its marketing success, but like... The was, audience found it from the internet. Was this a success when it was first released? No, it was not. Okay. I mean, it barely broke even. It found its home on home video. I do think it's crazy that this movie has, like, a big Lebowski fest. and Really? There's a, there's a con? Yeah. For this uh, movie? Yeah. Why are we going to this con? Where, oh, where it's is over, it? It's over 12 years. It's Dude, it's all over the place. They have, like, oh, they had over four or 6,000 people attend. It's like anywhere from London to, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's these. Does Jeff Bridges actually show up? Jeff Bridges does. He did show up one year. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. But like they, <laughs> they had like John Turturro, like um, his buddy in the film, the guy that never speaks, that's got the oh, crew yeah, cut yeah. and the mustache. Well, he's like, he's like, you know, me and so and so, we're gonna like, you know, we're gonna fuck you in your ass. You know? Yeah. He's, he's like, you think you're gonna move the date? <laughs> I was looking forward to crushing that ass this weekend, but I guess I'm gonna do it on Wednesday. You know, <laughs> you got a date for Wednesday. <laughs> it don't matter oh. to the Jesus. <laughs> oh my goodness! Are we at trailer time, guys? Let's do it. All right, this is the trailer for the Big Lebowski. Wait, wait let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. You know uh, that, or uh, his dudeness, or uh, Duder, or uh, you know El Duderino. If you're not into the whole brevity thing, are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Ah! Employed? You like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Is this your only ID? You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Jeff Lebowski, the other Lebowski, the millionaire. I received this ransom note this morning. 
This is a bummer, man. They want you to take the money and act as courier. Why are you here? What the hell is this? My dirty undies, dude. The whites. Let's take that hell! Why should we settle for 20 grand when we can keep the entire million? I know you're mixed up in all this. Playing one side against the other in bed with everybody. Law them. Huh? Fabulous stuff. What? Who's sitting on a million dollars? We want some money. Ah! Sitting in the trunk of our car. Where's my damn money? Say, dude, where is your car? Who's got your undies, Walter? This is a very complicated case, Maude. You know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Is this your homework, Larry? And I would like my undies back. A lot of uh, strands to keep in my head, man. Whoa! Hey, careful, man. There's a beverage here, eh? I like your style, dude. I have no choice but to tell these bums to do whatever is necessary to recover their money from you. They were Nazis, dude? They were nihilists, man. They kept saying they believed in nothing. You figured, oh, here's a loser, you know, uh, a deadbeat. Well, aren't you? Well, yeah. You cannot drag this negative energy into the tournament. Jeffrey. Bond? Love me. Uh, that's my robe. I'm throwing rocks tonight. It don't matter to Jesus. <laughs> this could be a, a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? All right, we're back. That was the trailer for The Big Lebowski. That man sure can stammer and stumble about things and, you know, the dude. Oh, yeah, the dude, absolutely. Yeah. He does it well. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's all the clue of talking. And John Goodman uh, goes off on him. And definitely on Donnie. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie! Shut the fuck up, Donnie! You're out of your element. Poor <laughs> Donnie, man. I just feel like he's just like really misunderstood. He's off in his own world. He's thinking like, man, I really shouldn't be eating these like high salty foods that I eat all the time. It's the walrus. <laughs> and he kind of comes in on the conversation a little late and he gets like chastised for it. You're like a child that walks into the middle of a movie <laughs> and asks, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, you know, I've actually been to theaters. The script is so good. Yeah, I've been to theaters where uh, like I sat next to this guy and he had his like son and he would explain every single scene. Well, you know what's going on here right now? Well, you know, you see the guy over there, he's actually doing this. It's like, motherfucker, let the kid watch the movie. Like, dude, we don't need a narrator. <laughs> if they wanted a narrator, they would have added a narrator. If you don't think your kid can understand the film, don't, don't bring him bring in the theater. Him. Damn. <laughs> you done fucked up now. <laughs> yeah, you guys hear those white Russians in the, mo- in, 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 in the microphones? We oh, are yeah. enjoying the white Russians. They are delicious. So when was the first time y'all saw this? Uh, not too long after it came out, man, I got into a Coen Brothers phase, like pretty much right after Fargo came out. Uh, I did not see that in the theater, but I caught up with it when it came out in home video and I, I, man, I was excited for this movie. I did miss it in the theater, um, like everybody else apparently. And I was only like 13 or 14 when I caught up with it. So like, yeah, it was totally, it definitely wasn't until high school. I saw it at the Orpheum. Really? That was the first time you saw it though? Yeah. How old were you then? Like, when was that? Oh, it was like five years ago. Oh, okay, was that soon? Is that, was that, you know, wow, really? That long ago? Yeah. I mean, you, know, you waited that long to see it. 
Yeah, um, Craig Brewer was host was hosting a uh, screening of Big Lebowski. It just feels like every that that, that just feels shocking. I don't know why that feels shocking to me that you, had, you that you hadn't seen it until that recent. But uh, wow, it seems like that everybody's seen that movie. It's kind of like saying I haven't seen The Godfather until you know four years. ago. Yeah, my friend Rusty called, yeah. asked if I wanted to go, and I was like, Yeah, sure. I've never seen it. Oh, wow, wow. He did the same thing. Like, how have you not seen this? He's like, like, fuck. I haven't seen it. <laughs> what was your first impression? Did you enjoy your first Oh, yeah, watch? I loved it. Yeah, man. Especially watching it with a crowd for the first time. That That's actually an experience. That yeah, it was a lot of fun. Get, you know? Yeah, because that, that kind of, you're feeding off of their energy, you know? Yeah, the, the first viewing, um, just because I didn't really know what to expect, the confusion of the plot kind of got in the way of some, of some of the laughs for me. I don't know. You get about an hour, into uh, hour 20 minutes into the movie, you feel like, as a viewer, you really need to start paying attention to the plot, and it really doesn't matter <laughs> like, right. at all. But and, you know, and you—I don't know. I, I guess I kind of robbed myself a little bit of the experience, and you know, of some of the laughs from just trying to follow it. I didn't find the the narrative too hard to follow today, but I, I did. Um, I was like trying to guess it because I didn't really remember exactly how it played out. I know how it kind of plays out, you know, with certain scenes. But watching it fresh again. Um, I had some guesses about where I thought it would go, but it still had another little tiny twist. Because they all think that the that she actually kidnapped herself, you know, which didn't really play out that way. The Coen brothers made it feel like, you know, like like an experience. Like if you were watching the movie inebriated some way, you know. <laughs> which I was. <laughs> you know, because just the way the movie is structured, they give you like a scene for plot. And then the next scene is just them hanging out. You yeah. know, like they'll, they'll talk about like some of the things that are going on in the movie, but... Everybody else in the scene, like it's usually the dude talking about his problem while that smoking is, weed. Yeah, that, that is plot related, <laughs> and everybody else in the movie is just dealing with their shit around him. I, 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 but I love the scenes where he's like, there's one scene where he's like driving around, and he's smoking a joint. Oh, I love. And that. then the like the blue uh, bug, the private eyes, like following him, and he like drops the joint in his fucking lap, and he like crashes into a uh, like a, a dumpster. It's so fucking awesome, and funny. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that that scream he makes when uh, the joint oh, goes down in his crotch. It's so funny. He screams like, ah! ah! He's got like a Ferengi in that way. He's just this high point, high pitch, he's like just, scream. He's just got that beer while they scream. Ah! And he's like, put it up! Every time he screams, oh, it's kind of so like good. that. Like when he gets like attacked and like, you know... <laughs> What's the little animal they drop in the bath? It's a ferret, but they keep yeah, calling it... He calls it a, a marmot. marmot. <laughs> he's like, and then... And then I and, think that got the biggest laugh in the... In the theater, and then Walter says, "An aquatic, aquatic rodent." <laughs> He's like, "You bring an aquatic rodent." <laughs> we have nihilists. <laughs> we want the money, Lebowski. Say what you want about the socialist. At least they believe in the, something. <laughs> not on the rug. <laughs> At least I'm house trained. I mean, there's so many like great one line, like little great jokes back and forth in this. The uh, on the making of the Cohen brothers were laughing that. They got a call from like Floor Covering Magazine wanting to do an interview because the rug plays such an important part in the movie. Floor Covering Magazine. And they were so excited. They had, avoid, they had avoided press as much as they could, and they were like, yeah, and they granted them like an hour-long interview. <laughs> and now they think it was just a cover to, from somebody else. To get, like... Because yeah. they never saw a copy of the magazine. Yeah, I, I would love to... <laughs> Floor covering weekly. <laughs> they thought that was so awesome. This movie does start off with some amazing. It does start. Sam uh, Elliott VO. You hear his deep voice. You get the tumbleweed, which is really cool. Like the tumbleweed, like going like even like down a beach, down a street. You know, Man, 
I love the first shot of this movie. I think the first shot of you this know, where it's like going up the hill and it shows Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot, a lot of people like the 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 significance and like what uh, happens in that shot. It's one simple shot. A lot of people miss it, but like it starts off with a, a very like a southwest southern desert feel, um, where it looks like it's in daylight or like the sun's about ready to set. And as the shot is going along this desert landscape, it gradually becomes night, and you lift up and you get the uh, L.A. skyline. Right. Um, that's we get the introduction of the tumbleweed, and man, that I know Roger Deakins shot this co- great Coen brother collaborator, amazing cinematographer. But man, that's a it's, it's a it's a gorgeous shot to and, start your movie off. And with. for some reason, Sam Elliott keeps saying Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> In that, he's like Los Angeles. Yeah, I, did they say he was from Texas? I don't did, did, did he did he did he say? I can't remember if he said that in the video or not, or if I'm just like you know with the cowboy hat, I'm just implying. I thought it was interesting how they met Roger Deakin. Did you hear that on no. the interviews? Uh, no, but I know the first one they did was uh was was it Barton Fink? Well, they were, I think so. They were shooting something that was non-union, but they were shooting in L.A. And since he he was a foreign cinematographer, so yeah, he could work non-union. UK. And they said they, they they didn't want to just hire somebody like straight out of film school. They wanted somebody that they respected their work, and luckily for them, he was non-union. What the luck? <laughs> I, I think it's awesome that Roger Deakins like actually goes to like the Coen Brothers' house and sits down with them for like a month, and they just sit down and storyboard their movie. How amazing! Like you know, like, I mean, in this and business, they get paid for it. That's super cool. Like, hey man, let. Why don't you come over? We'll shoot the shit with the script. Well, you know, we'll work out all the shots. Come on. I mean, they have to do it for, you know, economical reasons uh, is why they, you know, usually storyboard. I don't know. That That's, I think that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, especially somebody like Deacon, you know, he's like, he's, he's already so super talented and he's putting his time in like that. Although he seems like he's always willing to I think to he's help the best out. working DP today? I'd say he's one of them, dude. Top five for sure. Oh, at least. Dickens, Richardson, who else? Oh man, um, I really uh, like that guy Spielberg uses. Uh, Richardson? No, it's Kaczynski. No. Oh yeah, Kaczynski. yeah. Janusz Kaczynski. Janusz Janusz Kaminski. Darius Conch is all right. Uh, Carlos Miranda. You guys should look him up. He's good. What's he shot? He was the gaffer on Seven, and then he went on to do other things as well. Did he do anything with Fincher? Don't get me lying, but I think so. I, I forget the cinematographer that did uh, Gone Girl, but I really liked, I really liked Gone Girl. I thought that looked amazing. Yeah, that looked really good. Yeah, that was nice, especially that murder scene in the bed. Fuck, bro, that was beautiful. God, and there, there was the old Conrad Hall in his last film, Road to Perdition. Did you see that one? Yeah, but he's not. Yeah, he's not modern now. Yeah, yeah. he passed away, man. That was what was that? That was back in uh, when, when did Road Perdition come out? Two thousand two. I'm thinking, yeah, it was definitely after two thousand. Two thousand two, two thousand three is Somewhere when that movie there. came out. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, he's he's been gone for a long time. His son did uh, did all right work in um, a Panic Room though. He did. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. He came into Panic Room. I thought he, what he did in that was was really good. Yeah. Again, Fincher. Man, Fincher hires good fucking DPs. So does Scorsese. So does Spielberg. You know, you know, uh, we're sitting here talking about it. I really like uh, that Hoyt Van Homeidy. The guy shot uh, Dunkirk. Um, oh yeah, he did Spectre. Oh wow, yeah, and uh, Interstellar. I like him, man. So he can do really let, huge uh, films. <laughs> let the right one in. No, oh, that's that. Yeah, that's where he got started. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, he does good work. Yeah. 
Now that we got off into a cinematographer room. <laughs> well, it's always a rant worth getting off into. Yeah, that is true. Pretty pictures. They give us pretty things to watch. Yeah. Yeah. They bring the story to life. I'm sure there's a bunch, though. I like. I hate, always hate having these conversations yeah, like this, like on the spot. My brain goes, goes blank, and I can't think of anybody. And I know that, like, it's just like fucking. I know so many. Yeah, it's like it. You know, I feel like the minute we get done having this conversation, Bill we're Pope. just gonna be like, oh, fuck. There's one. Oh, Spider Man. Yep, and he also did the Matrix. Oh yeah, that's right. And he did. And he did Team oh, America. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hey, man, you like, like, you like puppets, motherfucker. No shit. <laughs> Shitting on each other. Yeah, man. <laughs> don't look at me like that, Brian. Hey, I mean, come on. No, it was it was a great 20-minute concept that kind of, you know, it, it, it lost so its charm. Lonely. There's some great moments in that, too. Yeah. Gotta have 25 minutes dumb. worth of them. There's like a 25 minute episode <laughs> And then the rest of it's kind of like Oh, oh right, boy Let's get on with yeah. it <laughs> America fuck yeah Yeah Okay that's a good song Let's, let's do something else uh, This movie does get, get on with it The Big Lebowski that is Oh the Big Lebowski oh. moves very well Getting back to the film It's right at two hours And it doesn't really feel like it to me That shows oh, you true. what good actors can do And also just good good writing Good pace It just, it just Everything just kind of flows Really well if those performances yeah. were not as good as they are, it would slow it down. Agreed. Like everybody, it was a definite character. You 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 just love seeing everybody show up on screen. You're like, all right. The only thing that I that I really didn't like in this movie was Julianne Moore's uh, accent. What? No. That she was putting on. What? I loved that. Really? It, yeah. It was so like deadpan and robotic. It, no, was, it was. It was like pseudo, like British, like wow. Well, it's, it's like no. It's kind of like she was like trying to be like old school Hollywood. Wow, well, you know. It was like British. It like and then she like studied like abroad. You know, like maybe she went to like uh, charm you know, school. No, no, she's trying to. <laughs> she's trying to be all like charm school in like, France arty. or like fucking uh, Germany or something. Yeah, yeah I can see that. <laughs> that would be great. It's yeah. It's supposed to sound artificially. Like, like she's super Stiff, pretentious yeah. and like yeah I know I got it uh, yeah, but it, it did annoy me I was like it's a little on the nose but right I don't know I thought it was great I, I thought her breasts were great uh, her introduction where she's like painting in the nude and she's on like this she's weird wearing... strapped system where, yeah. uh, above <laughs> I watched a 1080 version of it today I don't know I don't know what you watched but uh, you can see she's kind of wearing a thong on the bottom part no I I, th- I think she's supposed to be wearing a thong. okay because I, I thought they yeah. were like you know trying to. Make it seem like she was. Oh, fully you thought nude. she was trying to do a scan? Well, you know, I always thought she was fully nude on the um, on the DVD. Right. But when she turns around, you clearly see she yeah, does not wearing, have yeah. pubic hair or anything right. like that. So, I just always thought that standard definition just kind of sucked. Because <laughs> again, like I didn't see this movie in the theater. Like I right. lived with this movie um, mostly on DVD. Is how I, I watched this movie mostly. Now, having the Blu-ray was amazing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. yeah. I've always wondered, like, those two guys, though, that were pulling her They kind of pop that... out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Oh, where the fuck did they go? <laughs> so, like, like when he, she's having that conversation <laughs> with the dude, and she's like, hey, you know, maybe you can go. Are they just, like, hanging out over in the rafters? <laughs> they're waiting there? in the wings to, like, they're actually, they're, 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 they're resetting the, the, uh, the fucking, like, harness system for the next pass. <laughs> they're in their trailers. <laughs> waiting on the directors to call them back. Probably out doing meth somewhere, waiting for her to come back. They're getting the paintbrushes ready for her, her feminist uh, Jackson Pollock that she's doing. <laughs> Hanging out with that weird dude who comes in later and just laughs a lot. Who kind of looks like um, James McAvoy from fucking uh, the uh, most recent um, 
Oh, it's uh, M. Night Shyamalan, or... M. Night Shyamalan movie. What's that where he like does all the cross dressing, uh, 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 split? Yeah, yeah. He kind of looks like him in that. It's like, the werewolf from uh, Harry Potter three. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Lupin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's so cool. He's <laughs> like laughing the whole time, and they all start laughing. And like the dude's like, what the fuck is going on here right now? <laughs> hey man, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> who the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> what the fuck do you do, man? Well, part of what makes the dude so successful too is like everybody can relate to him in those situations. Oh man, yeah. Like he is reacting to the things that everybody would be like, "What is going on?" The dude is pretty a simple dude, you know. Right. He's like, you know, he man. is pretty every guy. Yeah, like God, man, just trying, just trying, just trying to do my thing, man. That's that's not me. That's you, you know. Damn, the dude wouldn't do that. So I guess we should uh, actually talk about this plot that doesn't matter because <laughs> it is it is it's a little confusing. Does it matter if we talk about it? No, he's saying that the plot doesn't really matter to make the film work. And I'm asking, does it matter if we talk about it? Mm. Now that's a philosophical question we need to answer. Well, if it's confusing for some people, I mean, I don't know. Help for clarification. I've never thought the plot was confusing. Yeah, what's confusing about it? You guys don't think it's uh, it's a little confusing how it's told? And I think by the end of the movie, you sort of you, you have an idea of what's going on. Really, I okay. I'll be honest. At the end of the movie, the first time I watched it, I did feel a little frustrated as the viewer. Like I was just like, "Oh, all right, okay." So nothing wrapped up at all, right? Uh, so the whole movie starts with some mistaken identity with the dude, and somebody pees on his rug, and the dude just wants his rug back, but he never gets his rug back at the end of the movie. And well, there's a kidnapped wife. Well, the idea she's returned, but the money. Who are the? My question is like, who are the Russian German guys or whatever? We're, we're, they're just some porn stars that just happen to know that uh, Bunny, right, the Big Lebowski's wife, was out of town, so they came up with this uh, ransom scheme, right? Because they knew that Jackie Treehorn. Treehorn was looking to collect money, because I guess Bunny <laughs> and whatever I don't know what she did to rack up this debt with this porn producer. But apparently she owes him some kind of money. Right. And that's never explained in the movie, like, why she owes him money. <laughs> I like that because that's kind of funny. Because even the dude in his laziness, like, he takes shots at the porn producer, like, hey, man, how's the, how's the sleaze world? <laughs> he's like, he's like how's the smut business going? Yeah. <laughs> he's well, like, he's sitting he's, around like, he's like, I don't know. He's like, you'd have to ask somebody. He's like, I'm, I'm in, actually in distribution or whatever. I'm actually employed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I do like that scene because that's the directors telling the audience that how little they give a shit about the plot. Because the only time they give the dude a detective moment in the entire fucking movie is when he hears uh, Jackie Treenhorn. He's like, oh, wait, hold up. I got to take a phone call. Well, the, according, according to the interview. And the dude like listens to him and he and, and he's like writing something down. And the dude goes up and does the Sherlock Holmes like so, fucking pencil trick. Right? <laughs> and, yes, it's a drawing of a, of a guy with a big cock. Yeah. And I love when the cop finds that. <laughs> Keep your ass out of Malibu. My beach town. I don't like your jerk-off face, your jerk-off behavior. Your jerk-off name. <laughs> On the interview I saw with them, they were um, kind of the idea for the movie came from like those Chandler novels where you, you just take a character and you move them through situations. There's The plot doesn't matter as much as how the character reacts to the situations. That was the whole idea of what they wanted to do. Yeah. Which is kind of what you were talking about with the... Um, 
last the, the, the Dirty Harry movie that we watched was kind of like more little vi- like little, little little vignettes of like kind of putting the character through these situations. But for some reason in this movie, it really flows because it, it is getting you to the point. But I don't know. It just seems they well, like, do it like the like the Chandler stuff. Like that's what I was talking about the confusing plot. Like if you watch like the Big Sleep with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, uh, it's another adaptation of a Chandler um, novel. It, it they're fucking confusing. They're hard to follow and. Because you're figuring things out as the main character is figuring things out. Yeah. Where if you go with the Hitchcock model, you clue the audience in, and then the anticipation of the main character figuring it out is there. Exactly, because Hitchcock's model was always like, you know, the bomb's under the table. Right. you Let tell the audience, know the bomb is under the table. That's right. That's Which creates they're... suspense on that side. Yeah. Where they're going on this one with audience finds out when dude finds out. Yeah. You're you're along you're on the ride with the dude. We do have to talk about the dream sequences. I Oh, amazing. Right? There's two. The the first one is the uh to the Bob Dylan song. La, 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 Those la, threw la. me off the first time I saw it. I'll be yeah. honest. The, the first time I was like, "Hey, what is this?" I, I like the second one a lot more than I like the first one. The first one is the bowling like, one. Yeah, well, because you know the first one starts with the Did carpet y'all ride. Not caught onto this, this, I had never noticed it. Now I'm probably like the only one that hasn't noticed it. But was watching it last night. Jeff Bridges never bowls in this movie. Yeah, wow, he's, you're right. Yeah, yeah, he's always sitting down. Even in the dream sequence, the lady that's with him, she rolls the yeah, ball. He's like he's like he's like teaching her. Like yeah, that, that's Julianne Moore. You 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 never see Maud. You never Maud. see him actually bowl. You're right. Maybe he's not a good it. bowler. No, he said that he act because I looked this up. He said that he shot scenes of him bowling. He actually went and took bowling lessons, learned <laughs> how to bowl. Wow. They just cut them all out for some reason, and then they've never told him why. Um, huh. At the last the last shot of the movie, it's kind of like this like Warner. Where like the uh, where the guy like tells the Sam Neil that's his name right uh, Sam Elliott. Elliot Sam Elliott yeah he, he's kind of giving a little like you know wrap up and then like it kind of like tilts up and like focuses to the to the background and this guy is kind of standing there waiting for his cue it's a bowl and he like he bowls a strike but you can see him he's so fucking he looks like he's like all right I gotta do this I gotta do this I gotta do this I gotta do this because you know that's like take six <laughs> oh you I was wondering like <laughs> how many takes did this take because you know you you had to do their whole little scene. And then, like you know, and then his wrap up, and then they tilt up, and dude's got to do a strike. They did. <laughs> they did do it for a while. I, I do like that though that they bring. That's an interesting point that they actually bring the narrator into the story. Yeah. You, can you imagine? I bet that that's dude nice. is like, he's on set going, "Man, why can't CGI be invented?" <laughs> <laughs> but it's totally like when they pan up, you see him. He's like standing there, and he's like. Oh, they did use some CGI shots in this movie. No, yeah, they did. Well, that, yeah. mostly in the, I'm in just the, talking in the dream sequence. So that he can hit yeah. a strike. Yeah, when he's he's going under the women's skirts, that's a CGI shot because Jeff Bridges' shoulders are too wide to actually fit in between women's legs like that. So um, that's a CGI shot. They actually shrunk him. Well, did you know that, that they did do a shot of him like going under it? Uh, under the people's legs they did spread it out and he, he, yeah. he tells a story about how they the put bush. They, they put they one of the girls they put like a giant bush wig under there so as he's going under he looks up and he sees the oh, no. giant bush they get like, gradually the they get gradually worse each girl he goes by <laughs> and it, it just gets hairier and hairier he's like what the fuck <laughs> the last one it's like oh my gosh <laughs> that's, that's like, hilarious the Coen brothers like they're known for having 
amazing sets though like oh dude yeah their well, temperament's it, great they're not known for yelling at people they're be- known for being great narrators second one he, he like walks out like in the second um in dream sequence it's like this like that this like really wide shot of these like really tall walls and he's like stepping out and you see his like shadow and he's kind of like looking oh around. yeah yeah like i'm just sitting, sitting there thinking did they build this fucking set with these like 50 foot walls yeah because then they go over and there's the guy who's got the bo- like the bowling like, anyways like those really but they actually built that like uh the checker pattern floor kind of floating in a star field or yeah whatever. and the star the star field that's all built in one black background they built like an infinity wall that they could float some of that stuff and then yeah they used uh mirrors to make the staircase and stuff look like it goes off into infinity Oh, they did. so that that was practically shot on set. That yeah. wasn't that's not actual like digital set extension. Yeah, and they shot it. You so know, that's they, amazing. Yeah, and of course they had to block every time they got a different angle from a different side. They wouldn't actually move the the, the side they're shooting from because they didn't have a star field on the other side. So they would just they would rotate the set. Well, no, they're not rotating the set. They're just you know changing the blocking. They're just reversing everybody. Oh wow, because they they can't move the set. Yeah, that, co- that would cost a shit ton of money that the Coen brothers didn't have. <laughs> They were talking about how they directed Jeff Bridges, and it basically boiled down to: Did he burn one on the way to the scene? <laughs> and if they said, if they said, yeah, he probably burned one, he would walk over and rub his eyes to get his eyes red and go. Yeah, I was wondering because there was a scene where when he's sitting in um, in the Big Lebowski's office, and he's like, "You mind?" You know, he like pulls out a joint, and uh, he starts to smoke. Yeah, and then it cuts back to him, and he he looks high. His eyes look glassy and shit. They said he would take his knuckles and it's rub. Bummer, that was man. that was all the direction they gave him. They according to them in the interview. Wow. There's also a scene where he gets mad and he walks out. I think it's at a diner. Oh, it's when it's when uh, Walter's like being loud and and the um, and the waitress comes over and he's she's like, "Sir, this is a family restaurant." He's like, I, "My friends died in the fucking mud. <laughs> I can't <laughs> you to fucking eat in this fucking restaurant." Walter, this isn't a First Amendment <laughs> issue. But the dude like uh, he's paying and he like reaches in his pocket and he pulls everything out of his pocket and the joint falls out on the table. I just love the thought that like his pockets are constantly filled with joints. <laughs> he just has them like twisted up in his pockets all the time. You hear directors say a lot that if you cast the right actors, ninety percent of your job is done. Right. And John Ford. They were laughing about like how little they had to actually direct the actors because the actors just naturally created these characters. Right. And having been there, I can tell you, like, if you're a young director cast the right actors because it makes so much it's so much easier makes sense like you suddenly feel like you don't even need to be there you're like all right um action (laughs) (laughs) i'll just sit over here you guys you do your thing i do like the uh the voicemails i think those are some of the most ingenious like clever ways to bring in comedy because the dude's always doing something on screen the details in everything is yes like these guys are experts at details yeah i agree with that they are you know like the joint falling out of his pocket right like there's just yeah there's so much little stuff you can pick up on as you're watching the movie that you kind of have to watch it more than once right i wouldn't think you'd pick up on that joint or even the fact that when um 
there's little small things. When the guy goes over and like writes on the uh, on the pad, you can see that there have been other things written on the pad as well. It wasn't just that one thing. It's like there, there's like things had list been there for a while. Like this feels like a, a real world when there's extra little bitty added things in there just beyond what we're looking at now. That that's really good. Real world, like yeah. just like the way the characters interrupt each other and the details. Like even Donnie dying at the end, man, is it's. I don't know. That's very real world. Or it's just, it's like, did he get shot? No, he didn't get shot. Dude, he's just having a heart attack in the middle of a fight. It was kind of the culmination of, of basically uh, the dude finally getting like pissed off at Walter. Shit. He's like, fuck, man. <laughs> How much shit are we going to have to deal with with you, man? But he, dude, he always gets pissed off at him and he takes him back. I mean, that that's the whole movie. Like, yeah. there's even a time where he's like, <laughs> he's putting in that ridiculous like a chair to like uh, prop up <laughs> and he's like beating some bo- uh, board oh, against the nailed, floor he's, na- he's nailing a board <laughs> on the floor he's got a but thousand nails in it and it's going the wrong way his door open his door opens out yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like you dumb fucker but they they, they actually but, use they, they use their relationship <laughs> against each other he's like he's like I'm quitting the fucking bowling team if, if you don't come now yeah they, you know, they said they wrote him like an old married yeah. couple yeah exactly they yeah. thought of him as an like an old married couple how they they can't get along but they can't live without each other right they're funny oh, john goodman is he to me he steals this movie yeah i mean john goodman's like you know this is the one movie of mine that you know if it comes on tv i have to watch it and it's like yeah i'm, I'm kind of I the mean, same way when they're in the car and he's like all right and he's fixed to jump out and he's like take the hill <laughs> that oh, no, is I love that. Cause, hilarious cause, like jeff bridge is completely like the dude he like, has he's, what, he's like, no idea what's there? going on <laughs> <laughs> and he's, when he hits the ground, the, the machine gun starts going off. Oh, <laughs> fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Yeah, he's so lackadaisical <laughs> about everything. He's like, eh, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Well, no, but like when Jeff is up, like he's down. And when he's up, Jeff is down. Right. In the writing, how far Walter is willing to go for dude. Like, he's out there, you know, this is what you get for fucking with a stranger. I mean, he's busting his car up. He's, oh, my he's God. He's all That's one of the best in. You know, to help dude. Right. But then when his stuff fails, he's like, all right, let's go bowling. Because, <laughs> like, you know, not everything can work, right? Yeah, it's kind of like there's no consequence to anything that he does or anything. He's like, eh, all right. Let's I tried. On. Yeah. Right. Well, that's kind of how Jeff Bridges' uh, dude character is. And there's even a moment where, like, he's, uh, like, the dude starts, like, freaking out when they're going to do the, the, the drop off to the money for the first time. And John Goodman's like, you're being very undude like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- they said they they wrote it's him like, like an old married couple. If you look at John Goodman, is always the one. He he's the one with that has the solutions. He wants to solve the problems. He's actually right in the movie. He's insane, but he, he yeah, actually yeah. is he correct. Actually, yeah, the whole time he, he, he's, he's correct. the husband of the relationship. Yeah, and the dude well, is—he's <laughs> right, so he's the man. Damn it! No, no, I, I agree with you. Dude. I'm not saying that it, because he's right. I wasn't saying because he's right. I was saying because he's the one that always wants to present. Do not send us your mail. An idea. He always wants to make a plan. Dude's kind of there. Right. I, I I think they wrote John Goodman as the. Husband, and I'm making air quotes that you guys can't see. They're there. I saw. As long as you saw. It's all nice. I just, I just think the writing in this movie is amazing. Oh yeah, no, dude. Can we, can we just come out and say like that's what the Coen Brothers are really, really, really great at? You know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and I mean, they are doing like four things in this movie, but man, they fucking nail the goddamn writing, man. Yeah. Like if you, if you. 
sir, I shit you not. If you look up the fucking screenplay for The Big Lebowski, all the mans, all the likes, like even John Goodman when he does that crazy like the girl's gonna die in the bowling alley, and, and like in the script it says he has big hands and he says it with his hands and it, like he's a uh, conductor at a symphony. That's exactly what he did on screen. It's a it's a fleshed out read. Oh, you can tell just from the dialogue. They knew they they worked that script over a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino script. Like the, you know, like you'll even sometimes get camera angles and yeah. stuff in the scripts. Yeah, I think they 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 achieved a lot with the writing. I think once that script was done, there you knew what that movie was going to be, as long as the actors were in place. And I do really like the fact that the dude's car getting stolen. Killed my car with that, with that suitcase of a million dollars in it is just a complete waste of time in the entire movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge deviation subplot that and goes appa- nowhere. And apparently but that, too, is based on a true story. Yeah. Their f- friend's car got stolen, and they tracked it down and found homework in it. And... Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were about to say they had a million dollars in it. No, uh, that documentary, the, uh, the Achievers, they actually found the guy, the real Larry. Yeah. They found this guy. And he actually showed up to one of the uh, Big Lebowski Fest or whatever they are. I That's forget cool. what it's called. I wonder who's like, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> I think the kid actually said somebody stole his book bag. That's what the real kid really? said. Yeah, you know, that's bullshit. How lame. <laughs> Take some credit, man. <laughs> Don't scapegoat your best moment. When we first started this podcast, we used to always kind of give young filmmakers advice. I would say watch this movie pay attention to the script. Yeah, This was not a first draft, second draft thing. They massaged this until they knew exactly what they wanted, and then they cast the people who could play it perfectly. Mainly, like, the people who they wrote it for. I think it's a perfect example of writing and casting can is 90% of your work. I mean, dude, I think they cast, like, every part perfectly. Like, I'm even thinking, like... Oh, yeah. When when you, the first introduction of of Jeff Bridges when he's at the supermarket and he's like writing the fucking <laughs> fucking sixty nine cent check, <laughs> fucking filling that out, at Ralph's. Yeah, and the you know it's bad. And the I've supermarket clerk that. is just looking at him, and she's like smacks her lips, just like you mother, <laughs> but she barely reacts. But it's perfect. Right. It's perfect. It's terrible. But I've had to write a, like a dollar check before at the supermarket. I bought like you know thirty six cents of gas before, just, I, to, just to get there. You you wrote out a check for thirty six. No no no. I go in and like you know put all my change into a sock and like go dump it out on the fucking counter and be like, Are you running out of gas? You don't have any cash on <laughs> yeah. you, and you're like, You got You got to get that like you know, sixty. I've got sixty four cents. You know, and you go I, pump I'm just hoping cents. to get home. Yeah, that's different, bro. That's using change. This is a check for like that. The, I don't the, even have a checkbook, Brian. <laughs> no, there. I, true story. <laughs> You're using a checkbook for the change that should be in your pocket. <laughs> That's, that tells you something about the dude. It's like he doesn't even have like the bare. He no, didn't have a penny. True story. I was. I got a. This was probably about five or six years ago. Because uh, we don't use checkbook anymore. But uh, you don't use a checkbook anymore. No, we. I, I still. I still have a checkbook. Digital. Send it online. Yeah. Um, wife called, said pick up some milk on the way home. Got the little convenient gas station store, like half grocery store, whatever it is. Got the milk, realized I had no cash. Did not have my debit card. All I had was a checkbook, and I was like, I'm going to have to write a check for this milk. 
Well, look, that's over. That's that's at least two dollars and some change. Yeah, but it was still embarrassing to write like a dollar seventy five check. <laughs> Man, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do. That's better than cents. You know, but yeah, I've also been there in the gas station counting out <laughs> pennies, going, "I gotta try to get Sorry, home, bro." Man. I know you gotta sit there and count this fucking like handful yeah. of change. I but... need a dollar sixteen worth of oh, gas. Oh no, no, look, guys, look, I, everybody understands that. I, the uh, when Star Wars came out for the first time on DVD, I actually you notice all of his hard luck stories. Is I needed to buy this DVD, <laughs> dude. I had to pay in pennies to get this Star Wars DVD. Yeah, I did. Did you really? Yeah, you rock out like. Did you actually roll it, or did you like? Drop, you know those big like, plastic Coke pennies? bottles that used to be real popular in the uh, mid '80s. Yeah, I, we we finally cracked one of those. It was almost completely full. It was right. like uh, I don't know, eight inches away from the top, and there was like five cents exactly less than the price of that box set. Star it was Wars. meant to be. And you were yeah, like freaking out and you like walking, could someone please give me a nickel, please? Oh my God, I'll suck your dick my, for a my, nickel. My wife, like, well, I guess she was my girlfriend at the time. She spared me, uh, yeah, she gave me a nickel. Because she fucking felt bad for you because if they're counting for like the last 30 minutes. Like, you know what? You know what's fucked up? It's like I counted all that shit out, but I didn't like uh, have it like rolled up. in those, rollers? Yeah. So they, they, they accepted it. it? They didn't take it? No, they didn't take it. I was about to say. They didn't take it. I had to go, had to, go to like a, a little automated... Um, I was about to say Net Coinstar. Yeah. Like, you know, like Dump it one does of those. that and you lose a couple dollars, but it's worth it. Yeah, I lost. Yeah, I did lose a couple dollars. But yeah, I remember like when I was a kid, my, my grandmother would sit me down and we would sit there and like roll. Roll change, pennies. Roll and pennies stuff, yeah. and shit. Oh my God, dude. Back in uh, college... See, my producer Mark and my buddy William and I, we all shared a... We rented a big house. Or a little house. And Mark had this big glass bottle of change. And I had a fairly nice DVD collection. But I started noticing that my DVDs were missing. Like, I could never oh, no find way. them. And then Mark comes to me one day and goes, Have you been getting into my change? Like, my bottle keeps getting... It's, like, emptying. What the fuck is going on? Come to find out. Our roommate William had this girlfriend. And she... We we busted her when she tried to cash one of my checks to her. What the fuck? She had been stealing my DVDs and selling them, stealing oh. his change out of his his bucket. What was her name, Jeremy? I'm gonna look up her on, on Facebook right now. Go ahead and put her on blast. <laughs> Candace. All right, can all right. So guys, add Jeremy on Facebook and then look for Candace and then tear that bitch up. Actually, I don't think I'm friends with her on Facebook. Well, never mind. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. I was probably <laughs> going to cut that weird. out anyway so we don't harass anybody. <laughs> you don't want to like, create a blast. Was, yeah, man. just totally going to cut that out anyway. So uh, she let's was, pick it up anew. <laughs> she was totally weird. Like She was totally weird. I remember one day we were we had all the camera gear because that was when we were first start, trying to make a movie. Are you about to say she's going to steal the camera gear? <laughs> no. She, she started like. Well, we found out she was a thief. <laughs> she started like taking her clothes off. Wanting us to shoot her tits and stuff. I've always in my life, Jeremy, I've never found a girl who's just like open, like you know, she's like sees a camera and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna take all my gear off so you can see it and like let's let's film it." You should hang out a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you would be surprised. Must you a lot. <laughs> we were shooting. We we shot this movie. We don't. Any of this. Why not? <laughs> we shot a hey, movie. I am not kidding at all. We were shooting a movie that we don't we don't talk about much. It's called Nothing But Flowers. It was the sequel to our first movie, Friday's Menu, because we thought we were hot shit. We were shooting a party scene. My then friend, now wife, is in the scene. 
we were, you know, we had all these extras and we're maneuvering. And this one girl goes, I'll get topless. What do you want me to do? Well. And I went, how about you give him a lap dance? We shot that for like 30 minutes. I would have too, Jeremy. It happens all the time, Jerry. Man, I'm never around when these things happen. I must I'm telling out. I need you. to get out more. Hang out a little bit more. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. The only time I've ever been to a strip club is for work. It's not that fun. I hate I hate spending money on, on bitches who don't care. Don't yeah, I've, I've never actually I mean, been to if a... If I wanted that, I can yeah. go out on a date. You it's know always I mean? been for work. Right. <laughs> I can go home if I want that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always because like some shows like shooting in a, you know, a strip club. I think the oddest random boob moment ever in my life was... I came home one day and our friend William. How do we get on this again? Don't worry about it. This <laughs> doesn't matter, Brian. We're this is gold <laughs> podcast stuff right here. This is good pod. <laughs> I got home. There's like literally 50 people in the okay. in my living room. Okay. I know none of them, and I'm like, what the hell is oh going on? And apparently William was throwing a party, but he's not there. <laughs> Guys, come on over. I'll right. be there about nine, but you can come in at about six. I get all this from our friend Wallace, who just goes, I had nothing to do with this. So all of a sudden, this blonde chick comes walking up and goes, you know Mark. And I went, yeah. And she goes, I know Mark. I just, got, and literally, I'm not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> you're here, right? I am not kidding about what she said. She goes, you know Mark. I went, yeah. And she goes, I know Mark. I just got my nipples pierced. What do you think? And then she shows me her nipple piercings. And I said, that is the absolute most random thing I've ever seen in my life. I'd be like, are they sensitive? Can I feel them? She said, yes, they are sensitive. And no, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you asked the right questions. <laughs> They're sensitive, but no. Actually, I turned into a complete asshole and kicked everybody out. I would have too, man. If I'm coming home and I'm ready to chill and there's all a bunch of people in my house, yeah, that I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed so all you motherfuckers can go home. I was actually pretty pissed. Yeah, I would, I'd be too, especially if somebody was throwing a party and they weren't even there. Man, and what, you guys what, are not into the brevity thing at all. <laughs> no, You're what, not even there, Brian. It's your what, party no, not there. What made it even worse is when I went, um, where's the phone? Because the phone, you know, back then you didn't have cell phones. You guys are being very undude-like. <laughs> I just, just want to let you guys know So that. I go, where's the telephone? Because the phone was not hung up on the receiver. Right. And this dude, I have no idea who he was, goes, I'm waiting on a call, man. I've got it right here. I said, dude, it's my fucking phone. <laughs> so at that point, yeah, everybody was leaving. What else do you want to say about this movie? Want to talk about the editor? Well, that's the Coen Brothers. Um, but don't they have a name that they uh, use? I, I, what is their pseudonym for editing? God damn Mine is Kurt Manchester, by the way. You got to put me on the spot here, Benson. I got to look it up. Mark used to take a synonym for writing the score. Right. He was Brock Manchester. And then I was Kurt Manchester. Nice. Brothers. So we cre- We actually online. Roderick animals, James. They didn't actually put it on the DVD, but we shot fake Brock Manchester and Kurt Manchester Jr. interviews, but we didn't show their faces. Like, just these guys. Just silhouettes. Silhouettes. Yeah. And they didn't put it on the DVD. Motherfucker. They said it was stupid. <laughs> what do we you thought, know for we thought it was hilarious. Huh? You don't know shit. We actually, you know, cast people, shot it, directed them. Roderick James is their is their pseudonym. That's a good that the Coen Brothers use. So. I like it. Yeah, that's a good one. But I, there, there was one thing I, I I have always enjoyed about the movie um, is the little foreshadowing bit right before Donnie dies. Every time in the movie when you see him bowl, he gets a strike, 
And he always says something like, I'm on the rocks tonight, or like, yeah. I'm doing great. I'm rolling like, rocks tonight. Yeah. <laughs> he always says something about it, and nobody fucking pays attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's talking about their own little thing. And the night he dies, when he, he goes and rolls, he leaves. He's got a spare. Yeah, he leaves a spare. I always like that. And he, he takes a moment, and he looks at it. In the movie, it's only, like, I don't know, it's a 15-second like sequence, yeah. but... It's one of those moments that's a very rewarding rewatch. Yeah. Because you it know means that a lot motherfucker's more. fixing to die. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like... Damn. I don't know. It's it's always like he's getting ready to have a heart attack, so, you know, like his body is off already. Something's already bad going to happen. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, it's good. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, yeah it's nice. Cool. Like, yeah, it's a nice little bit of, like, foreshadowing for you. To me, the Donnie character has always been that... Because every group... You know, if you get more than two people together, there's there's one person that sort of the the guy that's told to be quiet. Shut up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. However, you gotta yell at it. The group doesn't work well without him. I've always liked that kind of dynamic of each person has their part in the group. You know. Yeah. And they don't realize how important Donnie is to their group until he's dead. That's right, because he's the surfer. Like they said at his eulogy, eulogy, his eulogy, <laughs> and you would have noticed. He would have noticed right away. He would have let, licked his finger, put it up in the the wind, and he would have been like, known which "You know way what? The wind was going. We're gonna dump these ashes over here, not right where John Goodwin is, because this right. is this is bad." Funniest moment of the movie. I laugh every time. That's the only moment I I crackle. That and well, when he Jeff Bridges, the dude, drops the uh, joint in the car <laughs> down in his crotch. Those are the two moments I laugh out loud every single fucking time. Last thing I'll say, we've covered two comedies now on this podcast. Because you're not, you're not a comedy we've guy. We've done more than two. Uh, two that I'm aware of. My Cousin Vinny and this one. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. Those are, the, those are definitely straight two comedies. You're not much of a comedy guy, right? No, I'm not. But would you say that you like smart comedy? I don't know what is that define. Well, like the Big Lebowski would be smart. This comedy. is smart comedy. Oh yeah, this is well written. No, no, like this Wes Anderson's smart well, comedy. Rushmore is a smart comedy. Well, that's smart comedy too. But that's but like but that's, I mean, you go you know, like Hangover is not as smart. Like that's jokes that a lot of people are gonna get. These are layered, well thought out, character driven jokes. Yeah. Okay. I guess. I guess you have to be a little bit more attentive to. But I mean, really, you just have to pay more attention, though. Really, right? right? Yeah. I mean, but some people it. don't like to pay attention. I've got a brother yeah, that's that true. he would not pay attention to this movie. Oh yeah, some people like movies that you know, like the, like the action films. So, they like things that are big and loud, and yeah, you know, I, I got you. So that's the question I wanted to ask you: Is do you think you you like the well written, more layered comedy more than the in your face? Everybody that's over four will get this joke. That's a complicated question. I guess. My response to that would be, why are you asking me this after two white Russians? <laughs> no, I, I liked them both until uh, somewhere in the 80s. Somewhere in the 80s, it's split and slapstick and... Um, well, a certain, I, I mean, there's a certain part of it that just went there that's not funny. I remember in the 90s, like the Nutty Professor, that was funny, right? And that, we all knew that was crude. It was a bunch of fart jokes and like, Hercules, Hercules. But... I laughed at that. I thought that was great. I thought that was funny and, and hilarious. How many of those gross comedies like actually fucking resonate a year? 
Like maybe one like now American Pie. I mean, like before the eighties, like I can think of some like you know, especially like when Eddie Murphy was like really just like knocking before Eddie Murphy did Golden Child. Like I man, I loved all of those comedies. Like I go back and look at them, and I'm just like you know, like I thought some of this was funny when uh, you know when I was a preteen, when I was a teenager, and now I'm I'm finding things still funny about them. Like Here, here's a good example of breaking the two comedy sides. American Pie, which was a pretty funny movie the first time you see it. Yeah. Um, I like that when I saw it. It even kind of holds up if you watch it later. Okay, written movie. It's not near as well written as this. Part two, however, was let's make these jokes as easy to get as possible. That was not, yeah, part two was not as good. Yeah. Okay, so that answers my question. Yeah, I did not like part two as, as much as the first American Pie. And you're a pretty big comedy guy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I thought this movie was great. <laughs> what was the question? But, 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 but he was saying that like, this is a smart comedy versus like oh, it's you definitely know, more... a smarter comedy. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's not leaning but on it's fart s- jokes. Or, really, yeah. guys? I mean, there are some fart jokes in there. Like there are some like moments where like people fart in the movie, and there's some like stoner jokes, and there's that. But it it's it's smarter written. I mean, there's a difference between like watching a Louis C.K. performance in comedy versus just some guy that's being as gross as he can to be funny. Or the movie that ripped this movie off, Dude, Where's My Car? Because it's like, dude, where's your car? Right. Where's my car, dude? They <laughs> did uh, steal the title for their movie. Yeah, and, the, and that little that little moment. Yeah, they did. So you want to rate it? I think we're at that point. It's time to rate the movie. Jared's like, I've been asleep for five minutes while y'all were Man, talking I'm, about I'm comedies. I'm drunk over here. I'm at... <laughs> Guys, uh, I'm going to give this a 10. I love this film. This is, if wow, not... perfect 10? It's a perfect 10. If it's not one... If it's not the best comedy, it's... It's not... I don't know. I don't know. It's top five for me. This is top five greatest comedy. better than Dracula Dead and Loving It? A lot better, yes. Uh, like, L- Liam Neeson for me. If we're going <laughs> Liam Neeson, it's probably, it's probably Naked Gun or Airplane. Okay. I don't know. I like those a lot better than Dracula. I don't know that Loving scene it. when Admiral Benson's like, my hat flew off. Turn this aircraft carrier around and <laughs> <laughs> I laugh every time I see that. This and Rushmore are the two comedies that I go back to over and over. Well, I guess if you if you consider The Graduate a straight comedy, th- those are the three comedies that I I, re- I repeat viewing more than any other. I love it, man. I think the Coen brothers are great writers. They're smart. They're on top of it. Their editing works. They're um, my, my mentor's favorite filmmaker. I yeah, I can see it. I can see it, you know, especially after No Country for Old Men, you know, and like this is their this is their film after Fargo, which was a huge success for them. And that's the movie I would say that really made them a list names. You know, it's the one that they got them a lot of Academy Award nominations. They actually won an Oscar for Best Screenplay for that one. And this is their follow up. And it wasn't appreciated for its time. It got OK reviews. But here it is. It's a cult film. Yeah, He fell in love with them after Blood Simple. Hey, that was their first movie, yeah. He he was just he was on board, man. Which is which is a great film. Look, if you guys got Filmstruck, check out Blood Simple because you can watch all the extra features that are on the Criterion uh, DVD and Blu-ray on the streaming service. So, I mean, I highly recommend that. I haven't seen it. So, what do you give it? You haven't seen Blood Simple? No, dude, you're a cinematographer. Yeah, Jared, yeah. Hey. Jared. You're a, you're a cinematographer first. Come on. Look, we, we know how important these film noirs are. That is a neo-noir yeah. like nobody's business. 
very, very beautiful lightning. Uh, lighting. Even in Big Lebowski, they do a couple of, of moments. Like, uh, I think in, like, Maud's um, sex scene where, like, uh, she has sex with the dude. Do you like sex? And, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and she's, like, uh, doing all those crazy, like, uh, fucking uh, maneuvers oh, to, like, yeah, help her conceive. Yeah, she's doing the yoga stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> She's she's doing all that stuff, and uh, in that scene, there's a, some great there's a great light coming through the blinds, and you see the blind the, the shadows on the wall. It's a nice noir callback. There's some nice there's a bunch of noir callbacks in this film though. I, I enjoy that. You'll like Blood Simple. In other you words, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will watch it. Yeah, uh, I just never heard of it before today. So sorry. Oh yeah, okay. Well, that's great. Yeah. Look, here we go. I got a documentary on John Millis to watch, and yeah. you got uh, Blood Simple. Blood Simple. All right. A bunch of other shit. Uh, <laughs> I give it a, a 10. A 10 out of 10 as well. 10 out of 10? Yeah, man, totally. Why do you give it a 10 out of 10? Um, because it's a really great movie. I don't know. Like I said, I, I really enjoy watching it. It's one of those films that um, that uh, when I was in film school, everybody like talked about. It was like, oh, have you seen this movie? It's like, you know, it's just, it's like I said, I, it's like I, I really enjoyed the pace of it. it it's actually, it felt refreshing. Because we've seen some really shitty movies right, lately, and like, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, I'm saying, you know, it's just like it, it's 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 more on the edge of like a modern film. You know, it, it it's it just feels feels good. It's a good movie. It's funny. All the actors are amazing. It's written really well. Good directors. Yeah, it feels modern, but at the same time, it's it's still a nice callback to that old Hollywood era. Oh yeah, it's nice. I, I, I will say that that's something that's very prevalent in all of the the Coen Brothers' work. Like you know you like. I'm thinking of like uh, Hell Caesar and like Oh Brother Where Art Thou. You know, you get that nice uh, callback, um, Hudsucker Proxy. Mm-hmm. Get that nice callback to old Hollywood. They're modernizing what they loved about the films they grew up on. Right. Yeah. Wow, I feel stingy now. You gonna say five? No, I was gonna say nine. Okay, that's good. I thought still, still, still great, man. We all went tens. Like I feel like the outcast. But I, I, I'll tell you why. Um, Why are you taking away a point, Benson? That's what we want to know. Uh, ten to me would be like the perfect movie, and this comes very close. But what holds it back from being perfect? I'd have to like sit down and watch it and nitpick. But it sounds I'm like sure a ten I to could, me. Sure, I could find something. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, fuck! I didn't even give Superman air, so a I ten. Can... I mean, come on. No, no, no. But there was a Superman moment when he's like flying over the sea, over the city, and he's like swimming through the air, kind of like Superman. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've given but two movies a ten. So mm, Jurassic Park. I gave Jurassic Park a ten for sure. I, gave, I think I gave that a nine, didn't I? I think you said ten. I give. I, I throw. Out, I throw out tens quite quite easily. Look, if you impress me on a level where I'm like, because I would give like Silence great. of the Lambs. I'd give that a ten. Jaws ten. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark maybe. Apocalypse Now. Godfather. Wrap it up, Brian. So that was all for us today, Jared. Where can we reach you at? Well, that's not how we wrap out at all. <laughs> and then I figured you would come back in with, and we're going to send you off with the song and no, some we're, shit. No, oh, we're going to sit here, guys, and uh, thank you for listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, and crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E at gmail.com. You guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Movie Crew Pod. You guys can also leave us a five star or any star rating. No, on no, iTunes. a five star review, please. <laughs> on iTunes, Stitcher, 
wherever you listen to your podcast. Jared, where can people follow you, sir? You can hit me up on the Twitter at Jared B. Callen, on Instagram at CheckTheGate. Please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and I may send you a T-shirt at some point once we figure out our logo. Um, yeah, well, we, we have a we have a logo. We just don't have like we have we have a, we have a we have album art up. Put that on a T-shirt. A slate with the movie crew on it. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah, an idea no. for a logo. Do you? Yeah. Look, we've already figured out a logo then. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey. He likes it too. He oh. just said we need somebody that can make it. Oh, well, I have people who can make it. Oh, okay. Uh, probably. Uh, I think I forgot. No, I re- I forgot half of this idea. I remember part of it. Benson, where can our audience follow you, sir? On Twitter and Instagram at J Edward Benson. That's J A Y. <laughs> Edward no, it's actually Stop just Stop confusing Jay. people, Jared. Damn it. Jay. You're, you're like a fucking gremlin J-A-Y on this podcast. Is not a bad idea. <laughs> you're like Stripe. You're getting into the fucking works here. J-A-Y. It's totally different. Not like the letter at all. So, Jared, if uh, if we get Facebook reviews, you, get, you send them sh- uh, T-shirts too? No, you have to go to iTunes. because <laughs> No, here's the, here's the reason why. Because if you leave a five star review on iTunes, it actually helps people find the actual find the podcast. You know, you, you, somebody that's leaving true. a comment, something that's nice. We like hearing from that, and we, please leave comments. But giving a five star review and leaving a and leaving a, a, a an actual review on iTunes, it raises our numbers in the iTunes feed, and it also helps people find. You know, and so yeah, please help us grow our community. Yeah, and we do want to thank John Rogers. Yeah, for- John Rogers, you're a badass. <laughs> For leaving us uh, a bunch of uh, awesome reviews and um, showing us some love. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, guys, how are we closing out the show tonight? Are we going um, Bob Dylan or are we going uh, Kenny Rogers here? I'm, the, the Bob Dylan song has been stuck in my head. So the, the Bob Dylan song is The Man in Me and the Kenny Rogers song is Just Dropped In to See What Conditions. Maybe you should open with the drop, Just Dropped In and then close with the other. Mix it up a little bit. All right, guys, so we're going to be playing track one, The Man and Me from Bob Dylan from the Big Lebowski soundtrack. myself I might not take it anymore take a woman like your kind to find the man in me what oh what a wonderful feeling just to know that you are My heart a reeling 
just because he doesn't want to turn into some machine. Take a woman like you to get 